What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Run Your Mouth podcast. And my production team, which is normally sloppy, I usually have to yell at them. They actually came through with a win on this one. We've had a guest I've been trying to have on the show for a long time. We've got Clandestine. If you don't currently follow at War Clandestine, please go do so. I promise you we're going to dig into some of the details here. I can't say that I fact-checked everything. We're going to we're gonna get into the weeds. We're going to find out what's accurate. But uh, he's been the most interesting Twitter follow when it comes to claims about what's really going on in the Ukraine war. And when it comes to topics this spicy, uh, we can't hang out on this platform. So in a minute, you know, Clandestine's going to actually wake up from his slumber and we will be getting into the details on what's actually been going on in the Ukraine war. And so, Clandestine, you want to wave goodbye to the good folks at YouTube? That's it. The auto free speech platform. <laughs> That's right. Come check us out on RobbieTheFire.Tube.sh. The chat should be live and running. That is the platform that I built out for occasions just like this. Um, and it's our first time really testing it live like this. So hopefully it works out. And if it's not working properly, you can always just watch the show on Twitter. All right. Coming down from YouTube so we can get into both channels. Look at that. Doesn't it feel nice to be free again? It certainly does, man. It certainly and, does. And you 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 faced a, a serious censorship racket. You know what? Why don't we why don't we give a nice introduction here? Like I said, I've been following your uh, Twitter handle for a while. You put out these incredible threads about biolabs and other things going on in the Ukraine war. And every time I was like, dude. I was trying to message you on Twitter, and then I got lucky that you uh, just came out for the live show that we did in uh, in uh, in Arlington. I was like, oh, hell yeah, dude. I've been trying to get you on the pod forever. So why don't you uh, give a little bit of an introduction to the people that aren't familiar, and maybe you can also tell them about some of the, uh, the censorship that you've had to deal with. Yeah, so for those who don't know me, um, I'm literally just a dude on the internet who I was, you know, I was in the Army. I was working at... Uh, startup companies and doing my own thing. And then the Ukraine war broke out. And on the 24th of February, 2022, I uh, wrote that thread about the existence of the U.S. biolabs in Ukraine and how Russia had reached out to the U.N. and accused the U.S. of creating biological weapons in Ukraine. So so I put out that thread and I didn't know it was news at the time. I was just a you know dude on the Internet. And um, then it turned out that that was actually a big deal. You still there? Yeah, I I'm not sure if the lag's on my end or on your end, but we're uh, I'm I'm still gotcha, here for gotcha. now. Yeah, well, uh, it wasn't new to me at the time. You know, I thought the United States had biolabs all over the world. It wasn't that big of a deal. But when I put that thread out, it obviously caused quite a stir when Twitter decided to drop the hammer, and then I was actually banned on all other social media websites at the same time. Sometimes before I even posted, so I had like a full AP address blackout on social media due to writing this thread about the existence of the biolabs in Ukraine. So I knew I was onto something. Um, and then from that point on, uh, it was really kind of rough because the internet wiped everything about the U.S. biolabs <laughs> in Ukraine. They were dropping the, the websites. Uh, so for about two weeks there, I was just a crazy person who was trying to get anybody to, to listen to me that would lend an ear about what was going on to me and the censorship that was happening. You know, they just thought I was a whack job. I reached out to like Tucker and everybody and nobody responded. But then when Newland came out, um, on March 10th, 2022, about two and a half weeks later, she admitted about the existence of the biological facilities in Ukraine, uh, which caused a huge, huge storm and essentially gave the more mainstream conservative media and 
alternative media to kind of go in and look into the situation. So let, let, let's take a couple, uh, just step back here and, and lay it on the table. So the starting point for you is uh, you're just a, your fellow bald man. You're engaged in politics. You're hanging out online and you see Putin make a claim that there are bio labs in the Ukraine. Um, where was that claim made? Was that a, like a speech at the UN? Like where, where did, where did Putin throw that out there? Is that public information? Yeah. So it was actually, it was a Newsweek article. Um, and it come out like two or three months before the actual conflict in Ukraine broke out. So I didn't know about this. You know, I'm just a dude right. who pays attention to sports. I'm just messing around. Um, and then whenever the missile started flying on the 24th of uh, February, whenever the media all jumps in unison and starts saying the same thing at the same time, obviously I'm like, something's not right. They're lying to me. So I was trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, so I just started digging around, researching, and then Putin actually put it out. It was in a Newsweek article. They had addressed it at the U.N. And actually, China had addressed it at the U.N. as well, saying the U.S. needed to be investigated for their biological activity, which, as an American citizen, I figured we should probably know about that if Russia and China were accusing us of this. And it was just nowhere to be found. No mainstream media articles. Nobody was talking about it. So I guess that's I guess- uh, it, it's interesting because that's kind of what I experienced. Uh, I experienced something similar with the COVID stuff is that. I don't like sitting down and reading. It's not something I really enjoy. I force myself to try and stay as informed as possible as I do enjoy, you know, trying to work this job of just pontificating about things that are over my head. I'm genuinely curious about these things. But in terms of like really sitting down and researching stuff, I'm not that good at it. When it came to COVID, I could just tell that they were lying to me. And the more people were telling me, hey, you're an idiot, the more I guess I was able to hone the powers of spite to actually sit down and focus and read things that I otherwise never would have read through. I didn't do well in science in school. I don't care about statistics. I don't read biological journals. Everything that I didn't do, there were enough people that I could tell were both lying and then calling me an idiot for me just being able to kind of, like I could just sense like I'm being lied to and I wanted to figure out like in what capacity I was being lied to. So it sounds like you almost had a similar thing where, you know, you just made a, a statement of, you know, everyone's running around yelling about why Putin's going to war. You got some people claiming he wants to take over all of Europe. Uh, the most rational explanation to me was just uh, a pushback against the NATO expansion. And then you come in and say, you know, I also think there's a storyline here of uh, Putin, uh, I guess, pushing back against uh, um, against biolabs, which we can d- dig into in a second, you know, uh what exactly his concerns were with the biolabs, but I could also just see how making what seems like an innocent statement of, hey, the guy's actually saying that this is over biolabs, and then the internet just shutting you down, where you just start going, well, what the what, what did I just unearth that the entire system freaked out over that statement? Yeah, it was, it was surreal to me. It's just that, you know, I don't have any crazy government affiliation. I'm not a high-ranking official, that I somehow got caught in the middle of this massive government cover or excuse me, government and media cover-up scandal um, about what initially they said. Initially, they said the labs didn't exist at all. They said there's no such thing as U.S. labs in Ukraine. And then when Newland came out, she said there were labs. And they started backtracking. And they said, oh, there are labs, but they're completely peaceful. They're you know not nefarious. <laughs> there's nothing to worry about. And Well, once you start piling up all these lies, now I know that there's something going on. There's something and- you're trying to cover up. And I forget that was, uh, if I remember correctly, the moment where with Victoria Newland was with um, the senator Marco Rubio, right? Correct, correct. And it and it almost seemed like Marco Rubio was lobbing her softballs to just dispel rumors, and that she uh, really fumbled the ball on that moment. 
Oh, 100%. He was, he was asking the questions, trying to phrase it to set her up, like you said, throwing right. her an alley-oop, essentially, like, hey, tell the people that we don't have this nefarious stuff that they're worried about. And then she, the way she worded it just opened the floodgates. And that night, it was on Tucker Carlson. So for like the two weeks before that, I was just some crazy whack job who nobody would listen to, trying to contact lawyers and media, anybody that'll listen. And then it finally came on Tucker, and then the whole thing opened up. You know, Tucker didn't mention me by name, but he was like, hey, we actually had somebody reach out uh, that we didn't feel that we could address this because of the lack of validity of the claims, even though all these claims were it's – in, it's in the 2005 Nunn-Luger Act. It's in, it's in congressional history that we established the Defensive Threat Reduction Agency to go in and rebuild and facilitate and run these labs in Ukraine. It's also such a funny thing. Whenever you hear the word reduction, you can assume they're doing the opposite. It's always yeah. like the safety act. You know what I mean? Like that's just kind of government language. So, okay. So, you know, I'm over here and I just, I like to look at things and go, there's a wide scope of information. And uh, sometimes it's good to almost know how uninformed you are and just how out there, like the possibilities could be of what's really going on. Like, I know that the news lies to me. And there's like a, like a wide range of like, for example, you know, just to explain how uninformed we are about the way that the that the world works like, um, you know, there's a possibility that everything's being run by lizards and aliens. Now, if I had to put a percentage chance on that, I go point zero one percent. But like, at least let's put the option on the table that it might be there. There might be a hole in the middle of the earth by the by Antarctica. We might be on a flat earth. Now, I don't think those things are true. Do I? Th but like you start moving up the range of what's more in the realm of possibility. Do they rig the election? If I had to put a number on it, 25 percent chance. I can't prove to you that they did, but it certainly is a possibility. So like for me, it's like I like to see as wide of a array of information as possible uh, and not necessarily like almost in my head, even though I'm not a statistics guy, like put like percentage chance on like what's plausible type thing. And so uh, when I came across your feed about the bio labs in terms of like the geopolitics of why people are really fighting wars or what's going on, like when that I was like, this is not validated to me, but this is the most interesting theory. And the, some of the things that made it very interesting to me um, is it gave away a, a, an out for Putin to walk away with a very clear win. And that I would think if you could actually go into a country and expose, you know, real crimes by another power, then, you know, you might actually walk away with the victory of people realizing who's really the guy, who's really the bad guy, the crimes of another country. Like, I, I would think if you had an, a, an enemy or someone you were trying to beat and you could really expose crimes that its own citizens uh, would friend upon, that sounds to me like that would be a real win. So I parts, are we talking about creation of COVID and other things to leak on populations so that, you know, you can have your bio industry already have the cures for it and shove new vaccines down our throats? scare people back indoors or are you just talking about that it was the easiest spot for them to do military research because the soviets had already built pretty good labs there and so it just made sense to go in and take over those labs and do our own research yeah so the the whole introduction of the labs in ukraine and the network over there was actually created by i don't know if you read the thread that i sent you your way did did like 13 million views like when i got back on twitter it was about how obama opened the i guess avenue for U.S. contractors to go over there and rebuild these labs. That happened in 2005. And then what what they did in 2014 is that's when Fauci and Obama shut down uh, directed evolution research and uh, gain-of-function research. 
But what they did is they just moved it offshore to their proxies, uh, one being Ukraine, which, you know, you're, you're very familiar with uh, Newland and the uh, and the Payette phone call where they overthrew and decided who was going to be the, the new ruler of Ukraine in 2014 during the color revolution. Um, so at these labs, they were essentially offshoring all their dirty or nefarious biological activity to Ukraine. So it's outside of congressional oversight. So it's a little bit easier to get away with stuff that you couldn't do in the United States. So they were doing direct evolution research, gain of function research, and we can actually prove that they were researching bat coronaviruses in 2014 uh, with Project Predict, part of the USAID, which is a uh, cover for the CIA. It's a, an affiliate of the CIA, the USAID and their Project Predict program, where they were trying to get bat coronaviruses to preemptively uh, protect against if a coronavirus would mutate in the future. But now what we have, so what Russia are really accusing the United States of are, is creating COVID-19 in Ukraine um, to essentially utilize for militaristic purposes in the future. That's what Russia claimed. We can prove in, indefinitely that, or excuse me, definitively, that the United States were studying back coronaviruses uh, in Ukraine, part of Project Predict, predict in, in 2014. Okay. Now, in terms of... Uh... So, I, you know, I understand because I remember, you know, when we used to claim, hey, we only waterboard people. We don't really torture people. Uh, and, you know, everyone was upset about Gitmo. Uh, I remember reading that we had basically CIA black sites in other countries where we would just kind of offshore the real torture. You know, we might not be able to outright torture someone, but we can partner with, uh, you know, the Indonesian army. I'm just pulling this out of my ass. Yeah, yeah. This took place in Indonesia, but they would send prisoners to Egypt or other locations and have them tortured by somebody else. And I'm sure the CIA is there when it's going on. But, yeah. you know, easy to go. We're not doing this. The other people are doing it. It's, uh, you know, so basically what you're describing is the United States government outlaws uh, doing gain of function research, doing bioweapons research. And so they go, all right, well, we're going to partner with Ukraine. Ukraine's a good partner because they already have these labs over there. Now, are you, it was this part of why they overthrew that government or just kind of fell the, the pieces fell into their lap of being able to move the bioweapons research? Like, I guess what I'm asking is how important is bioweapons research to the machine? Like I would think, you know, I've got other weapons programs. I got other things going on. Like to me, that's not the queen bee on the chessboard. Chessboard is my ability to do bioweapons research. So I, I guess what I'm asking is like to the, to the elites. And I mean, like the real elites, like the people sitting at that, you know, golden chairs of the CIA, really planning shit and trying to run the world. Like how important is them being able to do this research? It was paramount. So for, for their entire plot. So this all, in my opinion, all ties in to COVID. Um, so the way, the reason why they, the U, Ukraine, excuse me, that, the deep state of the elites, whatever you'd like to call them, took over Ukraine via proxy. They did this for multiple reasons, one of them being the biological research, but that's just one of the reasons. This is essentially just an offshore racket that the deep state and U.S. politicians use to conduct nefarious illegal activities offshore and launder money. So, this, so Ukraine is essentially just their hotbed where they were able to get away with whatever they want, essentially. Human trafficking, drug trafficking, biological research that they're not allowed to do. Anything and everything they wanted to do, they can do it in Ukraine because essentially it's one of the most corrupt countries on the planet with no laws, and they run the government. The government from Ukraine are subsidiary to the uh, oligarchs in the United States. So, but the the biolabs and the biological research were paramount for 
essentially what we witnessed happen in, in COVID. If in order for Biden to be elected, they needed the mail-in votes. In order for the mail-in votes to happen, they needed the biological weapon or the pandemic rather. And in order for the pandemic to happen, they needed a biological weapon or something to escape in order to justify all these different things. Or at least that's how I think that this kind of plays. So you're really, so you're really going down the rabbit hole of they realize we're not winning the election and uh, they called up their partners and said, what contingency plan do we have for this? We can unleash a virus, get everyone to stay in their houses. And if everyone's staying in their houses and we uh, do more mail in voting, we've got a, we've got our best opportunity for rigging the election. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's generally what I think, or at least the, right. the tea leaves that I'm reading. I can't right. prove that definitively, but right. that, that's essentially why they're in sort of, so why are the United States looking into building on these biological weapons? Why are they looking so deep? What's the point? Um, and essentially the, what Russia actually, the Russian military actually directly accused the United States of doing this. Uh, Russian general Igor Kirillov, he put this out. He actually went on local news station in Russia and did it at the UN. They're accusing the United States of manufacturing biological crises to advance their political agenda. So they're not necessarily saying they're releasing biological weapons on purpose, but they are saying that COVID was manufactured in a way with the media and the scare to induce and persuade and change the way the United States people acted in order to advance their political agenda. And so the Wuhan lab, uh, was that just something we were pointing to for cover and going, hey, it was these dumb Chinese scientists? Because it certainly had the EcoHealth tie-in and it seemed like that's where you know, Fauci was trying to run his gain of function, you know, research because it was illegal here. Um, but if we're saying that this was actually manufactured in the Ukraine, so is that whole Wuhan lab thing just, you know, uh, a cover up basically of the of where they were really doing it? So we were actually doing gain of function research all over the world. It wasn't just in Wuhan. It wasn't just in Ukraine. It was everywhere. So as for is whether or not Wuhan a cover up. I think that if you were to intentionally release some sort of biological weapon, it would probably be a good idea to distort the original location of where they were doing it. So right. if they were to be releasing on purpose, I think that would be a good idea to, you know, release it in China and then say, hey, look, it was it was their fault. We didn't do it, even right. though it's us that's running the lab. It's Fauci that's funding, the you know, sending the money for the funding and the research. So as for which players are involved or where the COVID actually began, you know, COVID was being uh created and researched it with Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. So th this entire process of building uh, SARS-CoV-2 was taking place over decades and it stopped at different places. And, it, you know, this, this research and development built on each other all over the world. Um, so is Wuhan the actual source of where COVID broke out? I'm not sure. A breakout did happen there, but is it where the real origin was? We can't know for sure. And no offense, Robbie, but we're just dudes that should probably shouldn't have to try to figure this out. It's somebody more important and smarter should probably right. be on this. So just as another uh, conceptual question, if I were the elites, I wouldn't go for, hey, I just want to get Biden into office. That's not big enough. Who really cares? Yeah. You know what I'm pushing for? I'm pushing for those health passports. I'm I'm pushing for tracking on everybody's phone. I'm pushing for the central back digital currencies and I'm yeah. pushing for a racket where I can control all the human behavior because everyone's opt in to being tracking by tracked by their phone. And I've got an easy way to dictate compliance, which is I can turn on and off your currency. I can pick, I can pick what you can spend it on. And then instantly I've got a pretty good algorithm running for literally 
monitoring all of human behavior at all times and uh, forcing profits towards my companies as I can either sell you carbon credits that I just get to say, hey, I own them or, you know, just basically forcing you to, you know, maybe eat, eat bugs. I'm making the, the worm <laughs> burgers and hey, you're out of your meat allotment. So you want to eat or not? Now, I would think in order to do that, the COVID thing wasn't quite deadly enough. I would think if you really wanted, like we saw how fearful people were over COVID and they had to sell us on the idea that people were dying. But if I was amoral and I wanted to get everyone to opt into a new system, I guess there would be two things that I'd want. One is I'd want the infrastructure for that system to actually be built. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't go, hey, let's go kill people. Like, you know, let's not divert people to this new thing unless it's actually built out. You know, I wouldn't convert a website without the build out being done. Like, is the is the build out done? Do we actually have the infrastructure for this? Do you have the the currency ready to go? Do you have the program that everyone can download onto their phone? So I I, I, I guess, like, do you see this as stage one that they were just kind of doing a lighter test? Because I would think, you know, it's almost like the rules of war. You got to go. You got to surprise people and you got to go big. You got to, you got to, yeah. you got to, you got to take them when they're not prepared. Um, so I would think if I was, if I was the elites and I was running this nefarious scheme of cooking up drugs to try and run the world, I feel like I would, I would have gone with the deadlier virus. Yeah. I can totally see where you're coming from with this line of thinking. Um, it definitely makes sense in the sense that the way to utilize biological weapons is not to kill as many people as possible. This weapon was not designed to kill. It was designed to control designed to fear. So they just wanted it to spread rapidly so everyone knew that it was there and that it was some sort of real entity that they had to worry about. But they don't want to kill off their slave class. They want to keep as many people as possible and they want to control them. So like you said, this was kind of, the biological weapon wasn't just about killing people. It wasn't just about, you know, elections and Biden. It's also about introducing a biological metal, medical police state worldwide, or essentially the WHO and USA, or excuse me, the, um, the NIH and the CDC world just essentially taking over the world with whatever they want. They can just, you know, declare the science. They can declare this. They can say masks are good. They can say you got to stand six feet away. And, you know, they can say you got to, you have to, um, whenever you go to a new place of business, you have to put down your phone number, your email address, may have to track you, this, that, and the other. They were essentially setting up, like you pointed out, kind of like a social credit system where they can track you. And then, you know, based on your opinions online, this, that, the other, they can shape the way they treat you or how you're able to interact in society based on your decisions. So I think that this was kind of like a, like you said, is a stage one, this might've been a kind of like a, a crash course, not a crash course, but like a test run as to how the public would respond if the, the government were to go through these steps. So then, all right. So let me ask you this, Putin, he's gone into Ukraine now. Um, I, we're seeing mixed signals in that, you know, sometimes it looks like America's walking it back and basically telling Zelensky, Hey, this thing is over. And then sometimes you got, you still got blinking and other people going over there and going, no, we're going to get you all the money you need forever and ever. We're fighting this thing through. So two part question, has Putin taken over the areas in which these bio labs were? And do you think he might walk away with bombshell proof of the fact that the U S was in these bio labs creating COVID-19? Did I just freeze or did you just freeze? You still there? What do we lose? We lose sound here or something?
Check, check. You hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Sorry. You totally lagged out there whenever you started asking the question. Oh, okay. No worries. I'll re-ask it. So right. two-part <laughs> two question. Um, has Putin in, in the war in Ukraine, has he taken over the areas that the biolabs were? Um, like, does that look like that was actually part of his war strategy here to go in there and take over the biolabs? And if he did take over the biolabs, is there a possibility of him actually walking away with bombshell, undeniable proof of the fact that the U.S. was creating COVID-19 and possibly with the direct intention of actually releasing it on the general public? Yeah, so they actually did go in and take over certain facilities. The ones they were really uh, looking after, there was actually a veterinary lab in Mariupol, which is right on like the border of where... Um, it's very, very close to the Southern part in Crimea. Uh, so that was one of the first locations whenever the initial assault happened, that was one of the first spots they went and they actually put this information out. I can show you the, the briefing that the Russian general put out. They have pictures in the inside of the facility of actual, um, biome seek or, uh, samples that were actually growing. Uh, they claim they were pathogens. So we can actually look inside some of these labs. There's pictures of them. They've actually taken over multiple there's still quite a few that are in Kiev and on the western side of Ukraine that they have not gone into yet. And Russia have said that the United States have offshored a lot of their research that was going on there to like Africa and South America um, to prevent Putin from getting his hands on essentially this information. Now, Putin already has the paper trail and Russia have already put this out to the UN multiple times. I've reported on it plenty of times. Um, they, they go into a lot of the U.S., and their actual funding, they, they track the money that was sent from the US DOD to Rosemont Seneca, to Metabiota, to these labs in Ukraine um, that show that the United States were looking into bat coronaviruses prior to when COVID-19 came out and the development they were looking into. So all this information is available. It's actually been sent to the UN multiple times, but the mainstream media does not really report on anything that's going on at the UN. It's really just kind of like me and, you know, fringe people who report on it on the internet. So. Uh, so we can see the inside of the biolabs. We can see some of the, the pathogens they were making. And there was activities going on at these labs that the media said didn't exist in the first place. So the fact they've gone through this many layers of, of lies to try to cover it up would indicate that something was happening. But do I think Russia is actually going to come away with this and actually have, I guess, solid, tangible evidence of U.S. creating COVID-19? I surely hope so, because somebody's going to have to be held responsible for this, whoever it is. But will it happen? That's, that's another story that I guess we're going to have to find right. out. Okay. And then just, uh, you might not have an answer for this, but also if I was surely convinced that we need to engage in bioweapons research, why aren't you doing this on the North pole, the South pole, like as far from yeah. people as possibly imaginable. Like I understand, like all those movies of just, you know, people in a remote area cooking up chemicals that might wipe out the human race. And then you end up with a spill and then the other scientists got to go down there. And then that's when it leaks. And I can write the yeah. science fiction movie for you, but why are they doing this near wet markets, near populations? Like it just seems really dumb. Yeah. So there's actually a, a particular reason for that for militaristic biological application. Okay. So in order to create, have you heard about genome-specific biological weapons? Oh, dude, I'm dumb. I don't know anything about this. So RFK Jr. has has brought it up. and uh, Oh, yeah, I if I wanted like, to just wipe out Asian people or just wipe out Jews or yeah. just wipe out... You yeah. can essentially find like a, a DNA sequence that is only specific to certain nationalities, and you can 
you know, you can, I guess, make it bigger to make it more fine to right. specifically target people based on region and, and ethnicity or race, nationality. Um, so in order to do that, you have to study the blood, the DNA of the individuals of that region. So the reason why that the United States has labs in Ukraine, as well as Taiwan, they have over 1600 lab. There are 1600 labs in Taiwan and majority of them are funded by the United States um, is because they're studying the, the DNA of the local inhabitants that who are, who are isn't going it easy next. enough to ship some blood. You tell the people that, uh, I don't know, you partner with some pharmacy every time or some doctor's office, every time they're running a, a lab test and you just ship a little bit of blood. Like I would yeah, think there's so, an easier way to get your hands on blood than actually having a lab, you know, in the area. Yeah. It's, it's not just about volume of, of blood. It would have to be blood from different individuals. So I guess I, I'm not a medical guy, so I don't right. know what it would take in order to get, you know, repeated access to different people's blood from different regions. But you created the main reason called, uh, uh, one, two, three in me and learn 20, about your ancestors. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. yeah, yeah you, well, or, or you tell people, hey, you, you want to start eating a healthier diet? I can tell you the foods that you're allergic to based off your DNA and people just send it in to you. Yeah. So actually, uh, Democrat Congressman Jason Crow actually brought up your exact point that 23 and me is actually a nefarious entity that is studying your DNA to develop this information to hand it off to other entities who are looking to. Right. They claim it's for defensive research, but it's really for enable to create biological weapons that can delete people based on nationality or ethnicity. Which so, makes sense because, you know, it, like if we went to war with China, you wouldn't want to have to nuke China because if you really got to nuke China, yeah. you're going to be, you know, you're going to create so much massive amounts of pollution on Earth. We're going to have a problem. But I guess yeah. if you could, uh, you know, target them with something that only kills people of a certain gen and, and no one's comfortable, I guess, even with this concept, because then you start you're identifying that, I guess, races do have different uh, characteristics. But I can understand at least at a D if you want to say we're all uh, incredibly uh, different looking, but equal in all ways and capacities, you could at least acknowledge that there is, uh, I guess, slight changes to to the, or enough of a similarity to certain structures of DNA that I, I mean, it's interesting conceptually. And I understand from a weapon standpoint, why, if you could uh, kill off a group of people, like it, it might, it might be advantageous. Yeah. From a militaristic standpoint, it's yeah. genius. It's probably the greatest weapon anyone's ever created. Say I want right. to take over a nation. Like you said, I can keep all the infrastructure intact and just all the people just die. It's, it's brilliant from, you know, but evil in every single possible way you can imagine. Right. But when you're thinking from a militaristic standpoint, it, yeah, say say for R Russia or China wanted to go to full out all world war, you know, we can we can remedy the situation rather easily. But right. it, as you said, in order to get there, it's it, it's dangerous and nefarious and evil in every way. All right. So two more Ukraine uh, questions. Then we're going to move on to another topic. Uh, one is. So what's your what's your prediction for the end of this war? Uh, do you think we're going to continue fighting over there? Do you think we're unwinding? Do you think they work out a peace deal of uh, Putin taking the current territories? Uh, do you think Putin makes more of a push on trying to expose the bio labs? Like, just give us your, you know, your, your wild ass prediction of what you're expecting for the next year. Yeah. So essentially we're right now, Ukraine's a war of attrition and Russia are winning handily. You know, the, the narrative out there is that it's a stalemate stalemate. Russia have established their defensive and fortified positions in Eastern Ukraine and cut off Ukraine from getting back into the Donbass and Crimea. So Ukraine are constantly attacking and they're just losing all their men and losing funding and support worldwide at a rapid pace. So eventually Russia are completely content sitting where they're at and letting Ukraine continue to ex just deplete themselves of resources, 
equipment, weapons, men. Um, so eventually this is going to come to an end in some sort. The only way that this ends well is if NATO and the West decide not to get into a direct conflict as a result. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case. It looks like eventually this is going to end. As for how it ends, I couldn't tell you. Or when. Russia are totally fine sitting where they're at and letting Ukraine slowly milk themselves to death. Um, and then they're going to take over eastern and southern Ukraine, pretty much the territories they have. And moving, they don't want western Ukraine. The narrative that Putin's this mass maniac who wants to take over all of Europe, it just, at least from my perspective, doesn't seem to be true. And he so just is wants he- to... Is he even, uh, I guess, is he even pushing forward anymore? Or it's literally they're holding the line and Ukraine keeps charging at them and just dying. And so they're happy to just, you know, yeah. I guess, they're taking Ukraine. They're taking small areas around like Advika. Sorry, I can't pronounce it properly. Um, and they're essentially just fighting off advances from Ukraine right now who are just running headfirst into odds they can't beat. Right. And are there any big... Um, like geopolitical wins in terms of taking that over that area. Like I remember when he took over, I think Crimea, they were saying there was billions of dollars in natural gas. I'd seen a storyline earlier in the war that there was a lot of, uh, um, one of these, uh, precious metals, uh, that you would need for EVs, but then I wasn't able to validate that. Uh, so I'm just curious, is there anything like particularly advantageous about the areas that, um, that he took over? Like, is there any, like, or I, I know for a while they were saying that Ukraine's the breadbasket of all of Europe and that some of the soil and farmable land there is absolutely incredible. Um, so I'm just curious if you have any geopolitical insights about, you know, the particular territories that he took. Yeah, so from a geopolitical standpoint, uh, I think they're going to cut off Ukraine from getting access to the Black Sea, which would be huge for them. Essentially, Russia would own much of the Black Sea um, but from a geopolitical standpoint, all that, all that land that they're fighting over right now is going to be just loaded with mines. They've ruined a lot of good, uh, earth that was used for farming all over the world. A lot of the wheat all over the world. Um, so from a geopolitical standpoint, it's, it's not anything crazy significant. At least my understanding, there's a huge issue with grain in that part of the world and grain trade. So I'm not too deep into that situation. I'm looking more from a, uh, from a political standpoint in the fact that, you know, somebody's got to pay for the situation that's going on here in some capacity. So r- COVID happened, you know, seven plus million people died according to the numbers they put out and Russia and China are mad about it and they want to hold the United States accountable and the United States and the West don't want to be held accountable in any way. So it's just kind of this schism, or this this butting of heads where we don't really know how it's going to go or, or who's going to prevail, but something's got to give in the end. All right. And then last Ukraine question. Um, I've heard a lot of people just talk about, hey, there's massive amounts of corruption in Ukraine, and that's why it's a strategic asset for the elites of the Democratic Party, because they're able to wash money back to themselves. Now, in terms of currently fighting a war over there and washing money back to yourselves, I could see, I mean, uh, it's not even so conspiratorial. Uh, You can you can point to things that are obvious. One is, you know, I think Rand Paul was even pushing for an audit over all the funds that we're sending over there and it was turned down. So if you're sending billions of dollars to a place supposedly to be uh, fighting a war, I could see how hundreds of millions or millions could just be, you know, being put wherever. It doesn't matter. Under a building to pick up later. Also, if you just look at, um, you know, the government as being a protectionist racket for, you know, the elites elites and the people that can control it. 
I don't know why I just got a double back there. Hopefully that fades. But, uh, you know, the taking out of the Nord Stream pipeline does also just seem to be a big aspect of what this was about. And basically the mercantile nature of the government and protecting, you know, particular industries that they were just like, no, we're not going to have Russia, you know, uh, selling natural gas directly. So I could see the winds of private industry in this case and also just all the money that gets spent with the uh, with the war machine, you know, all these companies that get to sell the shit, basically old tanks, they get to sell those to the government and get them off the books. They get all this old equipment off their books. They like they get the, the sales. So all of these things are wins. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, though, like, I, I, I guess almost prior to the war, what was the Ukrainian racket? Everyone's talking about that. There's all this money being washed through there. But like, I don't know any insight into like what the actual racket was. Is it the Bidens that are profiting? Who like who specifically is profiting and kind of like what's the mechanism of them running the money through the country? Yeah. So Russia go actually into, into deep detail. I've actually covered this a few times um, on the actual network and how the money laundering works in that country. So essentially it's the Bidens who are the, the front man for the whole situation. So they have Hunter as a proxy for Joe who is running all these private companies who are getting grants and money sent from the U S government. So the US DOD signs a grant with Hunter Biden's biolab company, essentially giving. So Joe's underlings in the government are saying, hey, let's give money to this company who is actually Hunter. So Joe was just going through a couple of layers of separation to send himself money for projects or rebuilding this, rebuilding that. Um, and then all the money doesn't go to what it's been told and it just ends up in politicians' pockets. So it's essentially using US DOD and US executive money washing it through a couple layers of separation through non-government entities or NGOs that are affiliated with these other oligarchs to wash the money on a couple layers. And then eventually it ends up back in the pocket. So what do you think, like, what do you think Joe Biden, if you just had to throw out a wild guess, what do you think Joe Biden's actually worth and how much money do you think he's run back to himself through Ukraine? Like, are we talking a couple million? We talking a couple hundred million? We talking a billion? Like if you just had to throw out a, like a range of uh, like of what you think he's run back to himself, like is he like how rich has he gotten himself off of the scheme? Yeah, so I'm not so sure that it just applies to Joe as an individual. I think that right. it's more of like a you know like the 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 elites. They kind of all I don't know if they pull it all together or if they pull to like one higher entity that splits it amongst them. Like you know kind of like a like a mob racket or like a mob boss. You know they got to feed to the, right. the main boss and he shares. I'm not sure how it works or how much money or how much they could be hiding, but I do know the figures from the numbers that they are getting sent and they're getting millions, tens of millions over the course of decades. So as, cause then you also just end up with the question of like, you know, it's, it's the, it's somewhat the problem with money laundering. It's like, how do you go and spend your money? So like when the money comes back to these people, because let's say Netflix decides, Hey, I'm going to pay you an obscene amount of money for a show that no one's going to watch. Hey, here's a book deal for a book that no one's going to read. Like there's all sorts of, I, I you know, Hey, I, I'm going to sell you a, a cable channel. This was the Al Gore one. And then you can resell it back to me. Like yeah. there's schemes in which you're handed something. And then I guess you get to sell it for a profit. And now you've got legitimate money. Um, if I'm just over in the Ukraine, right. And let's just say I've got a hundred million dollars sitting in a briefcase out in the Ukraine. I have to somehow get that back to me in a way that I can actually claim it as, and, and, you know, you get paid $200,000 for a speech. You get paid, they've, they've got their rackets going for how they can, you know, or you go 
you know, you, you go work as the CEO of the company or you're making a buttload of fucking cash. But at some point, if you're just sending government money over to the Ukraine and it's literally just, you know, sitting there for collection, um, I, I guess I'm saying it's like it almost seems like the profits are kind of capped because like, let's say the scheme is I'm going to be basically sending all this over there. But really, it's just that I'm buying all this shit from Raytheon and then they're going to hire my kid in, you know, 25 years from now to make three million dollars a year. So, I mean, th that's great money over the course of 10 years. I guess that's 30 million dollars. But you, you're also putting it into the hands of Raytheon. Are they actually going to make good on the deal and hire your kid in 10 years from now? You know what I mean? Like, it just yeah. it, it seems to me like I, I guess I'm more curious about how they actually get the money back to themselves in a way that they can spend it and enjoy it. Yeah, so that actually brings up a good point. That's kind of one of the how the deep state or the elites operate is I don't know if you're familiar with the phone call between Biden um, and Poroshenko shortly after Trump was elected. So it's about two weeks after Trump won the election in 2016. Biden calls Poroshenko, who was then the president of Ukraine, and he lets their team know that, hey, you got to cover up my affiliation with this bank called Privat Bank. Because Trump's going to start calling and looking and, and digging into why all this money is going over to Ukraine. And they, he, Biden did not want Trump snooping around looking into what, where the money was going. So essentially, Biden had an affiliation with one of the major banks and all the different oligarchs who were running the, essentially the, the, the Fed over there. Um, so as for how they're able to move this money, I'm not smart enough or do I know <laughs> enough financials to know right. how exactly pull it off. But I do know they had uh, secret affiliation with major banks over there. And he went out of his way significantly to try to cover it up the second that Trump got elected before he even got to office. Biden was making phone calls, which I can share the call with you. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty impressive phone call if you've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, for the guy who pretends like he can't get upstairs. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He was different yeah, back do you, do you, Oh, he was different then. Okay. I was going to ask if you think it's just a bumbling old full act for... Because uh, we've be. seen that before. We saw that with Mueller. Mueller, you know, Mueller seemingly head of the FBI, smart guy. And then all of a sudden you bring him in front. I don't remember. I don't, I can't recall. All of a sudden he's yeah, fucking yeah. dope. All right. Uh, let's take, we got a comment. I'm going to read it. And then we're going to move on to a last topic. Hello from Belgium. Look at that. International listeners. From what I heard on the Duran, I don't know what that is. Putin is gathering quite a big army and we are emptying our arsenals without any means to replenish them anytime soon. What would happen if you decided to go on after Ukraine? Just the nuclear deterrence? Question mark. Uh, I mean, I, personally, I don't think that he would. But if he right. were to move into a NATO country, I mean, uh, it's World War Three. Like, I don't know what other what other option we're at. Like, we're already on the verge of it right now with Ukraine, who's not part of NATO officially. But if they were to keep expanding, I, I would think that it, it would probably be. You know, it would up the world would expect the United States to step in, which would then bring in China. And the next thing you know, Iran's joining China and Russia and World War Three. So, yeah, if Putin decides that he really wants to take this to the next level, then it's only going to be bad for the world and the people. There you go. Uh, and then one more comment was Russia. Uh, Liz coming in with basically what you just said, that Russia has a history of responding to security th threats exclusively. NATO should not threaten it. I'm OK with that. All right. So let's uh, close out our Ukraine topic. And now something that I saw you were tweeting about it was making the rounds a little bit. I haven't delved into it at all. Literally zero. 
um, is Pizzagate and to what extent our elites are uh, complete and total pedophiles. I'll give this a bit of an introduction, though. A couple years ago when I heard, you know, the Alex Jones in the world and people screaming about the pedophiles out in Washington, D.C., I, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't interesting. I'm not saying I could disprove it. It just sounded like nonsense. Then all of a sudden you see the Epstein storyline. You go, all right, well, maybe this isn't quite doing rituals in the woods and the hijacking of kids and basements and pizza, but it is now factually accurate that, you know, there is an involvement of pedophilia and the Washington elites. Like it, it, it now became a factually accurate claim. On top of that, I do look at what's going on with the uh, treatment of um, uh, this. is You know what? This is not top of mind. You're going to be a second to formulate my thoughts here. But I, I look at what goes on, um, I guess, with the childhood consent for altering your gender. And I see a platform and argument being made for childhood consent, which should then also extend to. Like if you have the ability at five years old to decide that you're actually a male and not a female, then you should also have the mental capacity to decide that you want to have sex with an 18 year old. Now, I think that that's disgusting and absurd. Like, I don't buy into that. But I do yeah. see, uh, I, I guess, in the entire trans thing, when you look to something that, you know, the there's no research to support that a five or six year old or 12 year old, well, maybe 12 year olds post puberty, pre puberty. There's no research to suggest that a child could make that decision about themselves. There's a very low percentage of people that do make that decision about themselves that that then uh, it was actually the right decision down the line, right? The, yeah. the technology doesn't even really support making those kind of changes to your body. And so I look at that and I see something demonic where I'm like, why is this being sold? Who's actually sitting down in a room and trying to convince the entire country that this is science and that this is a win and that this is going to make people happier? And, you know, as much as the right pushes back on it and goes, hey, this is insane, no one's really done good research on who are the teams of people that are pitching this and why. And it does seem to me, if you take a step back, there's something demonic about it. There's some person, people, research groups. And I think it goes just beyond hospital profits of that. You know, you're locking people into a system of that. They're going to need constant medical care. I look and I go, there's something, there's something demonic here. So as I, as, as years ago, I just didn't really look into like, you know, the fringier topics, I guess I'm one of those people where I'm like, I'm so interested in the storylines of freedom and the Fed that sometimes like the crate, I'm like, if you got rid of the Fed, they couldn't afford all these things. Like, so I almost feel yeah. like I'm like higher up on like the important things that sometimes the, like the creepier, the more crazy shit. I'm like, I don't have to go down this tunnel. Cause I don't know that it really changes what I think is like the core thing that we need to be addressing. Yeah. Uh, so long introduction to the topic, but I hand it back to you because, uh, I, I saw you tweeting about, it and I kind of saw the topic coming up maybe because, uh, Elon Musk had mentioned it. So I'm curious to know what the actual, you know, I hand it back to you. What's the storyline here? How accurate was Pizzagate? How much, how prevalent is pedophilia amongst the elites? Like, you know, what's, what's going on there? Yeah. So with Pizzagate, well, let's go back after that. For, for me, I, I was never big into the whole fringy stuff either. I only want to prove what there is some sort of substantial evidence that I can build off of. You know, I'm not people, you know, if you follow the media, they think I'm a conspiracy theorist. Everything that I've ever talked about has real-world information that we can look up that can verify or at least add uh, validity to what I'm talking about. So I don't just talk about stuff that I don't have proof about. With the whole 
widespread pedophilia stuff. And like you pointed out with the trans movement and there, as you said, there's a concerted and coordinated effort to target this at children and the masses as a whole to kind of normalize this idea that, Hey, our gender is a fluid thing that we can change. And like you said, if we can, if we think that that age is but a number that, that we can manipulate or change based on a whim, they're going to do it to age as well. So it's, a lot of people are under the impression that the media and the higher powers that be, like you said, the, the, those who are behind pushing this sort of narrative on the population are doing so with intent to, I think, if you saw my tweets about it, are to destroy the, the regular foundations of society to kind of change the way that people think in order to for them to be more willing to change the way they feel about other things, like you said, uh, the age of consent. So, so when people talk about the LGBTQIA+, they say the plus stands for um, what they call maps, which are minor attracted persons. They're trying to introduce the idea that pet- pedophiles are part of the LGBTQ community and should be accepted. And as we both agree, that's evil in, in every way and, and disgusting. Um, but there does need to be some sort of corrective action for we as a population, and as a society that are going down this path um, and as for how prevalent is it, how prevalent is pedophilia amongst the elites? I mean, from Pizzagate, the email, the reason why Pizzagate got famous were the WikiLeaks emails from the Clinton campaign, their campaign manager, John Podesta. Are you familiar with Podesta's? Only the name and because of Pizzagate. Other, gotcha. other than that, like, I, I don't know the character. So John Podesta is a Democrat politician. His brother is a very, very famous, very rich lobbyist. Um, and their emails were leaked during the 2016 election time, and they were using code words amongst each other. Very, very, very weird emails that were obviously code words, and they were using FBI-documented code words for pedophilia to describe um, activities that they were doing. So obviously, at the time, that was kind of a big deal. The, the media said it was a huge conspiracy theory, but the emails do exist, um, and the emails were showing that the Podestas were linking up with uh, Marina Abramovich, which I don't know if you're familiar with, is the famous Satanist um, that she's like she's like the Hollywood Satanist. She hangs out with Jay-Z and she does all the weird spirit cooking where she mixes like blood and semen and, mm. and feces and paints on the walls. And these are the people that our politicians are hanging out with. So right. even if that, you know, even if there is no definitive direct proof that that these politicians were directly engaged with non-consensual sexual activity with minors, the 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 company they're hanging out with via the Epstein's, the Abramovich's, the NXIVM, which was the Hollywood uh, sex, sex cult. cult. Yeah. So, yeah. So the whole idea of Pizza Gator, who are these people that our politicians are affiliating themselves with? If you found out your neighbor was hanging out with this crazy Satanist lady who's got pig shit and, you know, painted all over the walls, you'd probably be a little freaked out. But then when Hillary Clinton is affiliated with these people, Nobody seemed to care, and she was about to be president of the United States. So that's what the whole Pizzagate thing was, was really the affiliation between our major politicians and these people who are engaged in suggestively pedophilia and Satanism. I want to know how the elites made a basement disappear. (laughs) Yeah, right? They're pretty good at that. They're making stuff go away. (laughs) All right, let's take uh, one last comment. Uh, This is from Hey. really sounds like they're trying to make viruses that target certain races. Maybe the reason they are bringing so much immigration to Western countries is that China or other actors can't target Western country with bioweapons too diverse. Eh, That sounds like nonsense to me. If you stole targeted white, you know, 
like i guess you'll have mexicans living here like you know what i mean that doesn't um from a militaristic uh, standpoint yeah it, it actually makes a lot of sense i brought this up back in the past okay russia and china's militaries are almost all exclusively 99.99 percent russian and oh Chinese so you're saying males. if we have a military that's more diverse yeah. and we're fighting with bioweapons we're uh we'll still have a standing military force because it's harder to wipe out our like if i yeah. if we got a bunch if we have a ton of asians in our military and you know you've got a bioweapon just to target white people you're still gonna have to contend with our asians correct so if if another country were to have to use a biological weapon on the united states they could not use a genetic specific biological weapon because it wouldn't do the damage needed to take out a proper fighting force what they could just use any regular they could use smallpox but the, the issue with that is is that then it has the risk of wiping out your population if it were to right. sneak that's the whole benefit of is this what the genetic- diversity thing's all about is that they know that they're going to start doing bioweapons and so corporations I mean, need a diverse uh i don't think to protect so yourself <laughs> i think that it's a happy uh uh i guess side effect right uh, you know happy coincidence but y- yeah it's in terms of military biological application, it's definitely a huge advantage for our country and our military to be diverse. For All right. Sure. Um, okay, guys, I'm at the Shell this upcoming week, December 8th and 9th. I didn't think I was doing another end of year recap, but it's starting to come together a little bit. So come hang out for that. It's been an annual thing. It's my fourth time doing it. It's going to be a blast. Shout out to my sponsors, the core sponsors, yokratum.com and sheathunderwear.com, promo code RYM. For 20% off. Those are the core sponsors that make conversations like this possible. And then uh, I hand it back to you if you want to tweet where uh, you know people can be uh, following, supporting your work, and what you got coming up next. Uh, coming out next. Yeah, man. You can follow me on Twitter at War Clandestine. You can follow my um, my Substack, which is bioclandestine.substack.com. I'm also on Telegram and True Social, but the best place to follow me is obviously on, on X. Excuse me, formerly known as Twitter. And then, you know, coming up, I'm just doing what I always do, which is just red pill on the masses and and <laughs> trying to persuade, influence and change public opinion. Hell yeah. Dude, this role, thank you so much for coming on. Look forward to the next time I'm uh, out in D.C. and we can hang. Yeah, man. Let me know. Really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Later.